buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. All right, what is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. I've got a fantastic guest, and we've got some very interesting topics for you today. I'm going to be talking with Sarah Howard. She is the founder of Human Centered Sales Enablement, taking a holistic approach to helping salespeople and entrepreneurs authentically close more deals and implement human centered sales strategies. So, this is going to be a fantastic episode. And, Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, Colin. So jump let, before we jump into the, you know, tactical stuff and the things that I'm really excited to talk about today, uh, just give us the short version of your sales story. Of my sales story. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely all wrapped up into what it is I'm doing today. So basically, I approach sales enablement in a way that I just wish it was offered when I was selling software products, um, consulting as a service, solar hardware um, throughout Silicon Valley. Um, you know, I was adequately supported and onboarded um, and had onboarding kind of uh, ongoing sales training, yet I was still struggling. Mm. Um, and so I battled things like imposter syndrome, scarcity mindset, had a super loud inner critic <laughs> and I had friends that were kind of helping me along the way manage these mindsets and these anxieties and these stressors. And they would say things like, you know, Sarah, you're going to surpass me in like one to two months. You've got this. Um, mm. So after really doing that inner work necessary um, to be able to kind of break through these mindsets that held me back, I did end up becoming a top performer um, at a, and so um, you know, this was never kind of guided by any of my diligent and well-meaning sales enablement folk um, and team. Um, so, yeah, basically what I'm doing now is I'm helping um, I'm helping to uh, essentially work with the mindsets that hold salespeople back. And also I have a kind of larger cultural context because I have a background in workplace culture now. Um, and so I have these two lenses, the internal dynamics and narratives that hold us back, but also the external cultural dynamics and narratives that shape our behavior and hold us back. So I got really interested in what creates motivated, productive, engaged teams. Um, and I'm kind of putting them all together into human centered sales enablement. Mm, all right. So 
This is interesting because a couple of things stood out to me that you mentioned in your story there is you worked for companies that did have, you know, good leadership, good training, but, but with a big, but there was not any of these sort of things that you work with folks today offered. And that's what really, you know, that personal development that, you know, investing in yourself um, is what really helped you be a better producer professionally. So tell me like, what are some of the most common things or kind of stuck mindsets that people tend to have? And once they can work through those, you know, things really change for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, um, the kind of most common ones that I, I work with, with my clients are, um, the fixed versus growth mindset, which is pretty common. Um, Mm. a scarcity mindset comes up so, so much in, um, in our sales context. Um, so switching to an abundance or service mindset is um, very helpful. Um, imposter syndrome is rampant, um, especially right now in, in the, um, the internet age where we're all comparing ourselves to everyone else in the world. So helping to build resilience and confidence is really important. Um, Burnout is also really rampant, which is really um, the perceived um, idea that we don't have control um, and that we have too much responsibility and not enough time. Um, So kind of the um, anecdote to burnout, I always talk about um, embracing the unknown and um, the only constant is change. And I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with the term VUCA, which is a military term. It stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And that is the constant state of our work environment and our <laughs> and just our context in general. And so if we can build the resilience um, to embrace the unknown, um, that is huge, right? And then the last two I often talk about are the inner critic, which is this inner judge within us. Um, mm most people walk through their lives thinking that that's their inner truth, right? And they're guided by the decisions of the inner critic without disidentifying from this voice and finding a sense of self-compassion to really help them, um, yeah, move through the world in a more um, true state of being rather than guided by these judgments. Um, and then the last one, and, and frankly, the most important one is called... Um, performativity, which is more of a meta narrative, um, kind of bringing that cultural thing um, that I was talking about earlier. Um, And this is the idea that we're only valuable or worthy when we're producing a desired result. And Mm. the reason why- I've struggled with that one before in the past, for sure. I think that's very common and specifically for entrepreneurs and even high-performing salespeople. Okay, so there's so many here. I, I'm I'm having a hard time picking which yeah. ones we could we should focus on. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna try to pick a couple that I think maybe would you know resonate with with people or maybe I would think are more common. Um, I think definitely the fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, right? So talk to me okay. a little bit about like what that looks like and let's kind of unpack that. Yeah, absolutely. So a fixed mindset is just the idea. Of, um, any kind of thoughts like this is just the way I am, Um, you know, this is kind of um, the idea that we can't grow or change. Um, So a growth mindset, you know, it's just all about how the brain is plastic. 
I was actually, and what I mean by that, if you're unfamiliar, is, is that it can evolve and grow. And mm. um, I was just listening to a podcast the other day about um, what happens when uh, people have strokes, right? You, you might lose functionality of um, certain lobes in your brain, but you can actually recover the functionality um, in other areas of your brain because your brain is plastic, which is just mind blowing. Mm. So if you can, if that can happen, then your mindset can can sure change. So it okay. really starts there with the growth mindset. All right. So I think there's probably a lot of people that can grasp that concept, right? Mm -hmm. But how do they put that into action, right? Mm -hmm. So like maybe I'm a, somebody in sales, and you know. I want to have a growth mindset or I think that I want to become better or not listen to that, you know, uh, inner voice that tells me I can't get better at what it is I'm doing. But, but like, how do I, how do I flex that? How do I build that muscle? Like, where do I start? What are some things that I can do some actionable things to kind of go in that direction? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say an, a really great example of when the um, fixed mindset is in play is when we are um, kind of swimming around in our assumptions, right? So mm. um, a lot of the time we will come into a discovery call, for example, and kind of have the customer profile in front of us, have done some past research on um, their company or them as a person, and you kind of already start deciding what track they're going to go down in terms of your sales process. Mm. And um, and you get into the, we might get into this mindset of like, what is it that I can do to convince them to do what I want um, kind of ideas, right? Yeah. And so um, that is really something that holds us back from authentically connecting with the customer and also seeing any new ways that we can add value that we're not actually seeing because we're not fully listening and engaged with the customer because we're kind of blinded by our assumptions. Mm, I love, I love, I think that's such a good example because I think people can really relate to that. Um, and you see this a lot with inbound leads, right? Like a lot of people, a lot of sellers assume like, oh, they're an inbound, like they're ready to buy. Like right. we can skip these certain steps or, you know, it's just getting them to the next part of the process and crucial things are skipped in the discovery when it's an inbound. So it's, you see it there. Um, and then you do see it where, you know, they're just, sellers are just in full pitch mode. And right. not curious enough to ask the questions like, hey, do you even have a problem? Am I the right fit to fix that problem? Do you right. even care about fixing that problem? Right. You know, what happens if you don't solve that problem? So they get out of that sort of curiosity and line of questioning and it's just like full pitch mode. Right. So, okay. Um, all right. Let's, let's, let's go to another one of these examples. I think one that really stood out to me that I think a lot of people in sales can relate to for, for different reasons is imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what does that, what does that look like for people in sales? Like what are, what have you come across and, and let's kind of dig into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So imposter syndrome is essentially just the idea that we think we're going to be caught by being an imposter by not actually, because we might be new in the role and we, who am I to be um, doing this role? There's pr plenty of other people who are more qualified. So the common thoughts here are, I'm not good enough. I'm an imposter. Um, I can't is a, is a common phrase or I suck is a common phrase. And so mm. the main emotions in this state are um, apathy, grief, and fear. 
and um, the kind of characteristics um, of, you know, this being is the nature of, um, so essentially like the nature of sales activity um, exposes sales personas to rejection and disappointment because um, someone in this level of apathy, grief, fear, imposter syndrome um, will then spiral into negative self-talk, which actually leads to thoughts of failure. And if anybody ever knows anything about failure or fear, what we fear persists, right? So the mm -hmm. outcomes of being in this mental state is, you know, not selling, not hitting quota and failure. So, you know, we really need to kind of let go of these, um, of these states of these feelings and but also simultaneously build a relationship with that part in us that is trying to warn us right this this part of us that is um fearful and is anxious there this is a part of us that's really trying to help us and protect us and so if we can build a relationship with this this um voice in us and offer it compassion um and then simultaneously let it go and say, I've got this, like I'm learning and that it's okay to be vulnerable and be in a learning mode and in a growth mindset, um, then that can make a profound difference in um, yeah, our sales abilities. I feel like this one could be a really tough one to break for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was hard for me for sure. <laughs> yeah. So is there any like, practices or exercises or daily habits that people can do to like try to overcome the common imposter syndrome for a lot of people in sales? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'd say that, you know, having a friend in when I was dealing with imposter syndrome, like I think I even mentioned at the beginning of the call, um, having a friend by my side that I could talk to um, mm -hmm. one phone call away in COVID time was really, really powerful. Um, and so just talking out kind of our insecurities and our fear. Um, and so that's one practice, just don't, don't be alone, right? And um, another practice is mindfulness. So if we can be aware, the more and more we can be aware of our felt experience, um, the more and more we can help to self-regulate. And so um, mindfulness is really just the state of observing our um, felt experience and potentially being like labeling a, a felt emotion. Um, and then from there, yeah, being with it and letting yeah, it be because. It. Because I think a lot of people want to like get to a place where they think like, oh, I need to just push these thoughts away or ignore them or like get to a place where they don't come up anymore. And that's just not a right. reality. It's, it's, it's being mindful, being aware of them, labeling them, building a relationship with them so that they don't put you into that state of that negative self-talk track that's going to contribute to, you know, not producing and just vicious cycle of, you know, feeling like a failure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So I've picked two of these. I know we don't have enough. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to talk about all of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I picked two. Um, why don't you pick one that you want to dig into and, and let's talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'd say that, yeah, the number one kind of meta narrative um, is the performativity. I think that, um, 
uh, the fact of the matter is sales is the only, one of the only roles out there where our performance is directly correlated to a number. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, we can experience performativity in any role. Um, and again, the performativity is um, feeling a sense of self-worth when we're only when we're performing a desired result, right? We get no, we get absolutely no credit for just being present and just like being, right? And so um, I think that when we're wrapped up in performativity, okay, so let me back up. Um, the customer and the salesperson both want to achieve two things in the relationship. They're, they want to answer two questions in the relationship. They want to know, um, can they help? The customer wants to know, can they help me? And do they understand me? Mm. And so does the salesperson, right? Like the salesperson wants to know, can this person help me achieve my quota or hit my goals? And, um, and do they understand like why whatever change I'm making to their process or whatever they're selling to them, we're all change makers as salespeople, um, do they understand me here? And so if we get, we get a ton of no's, right, in the sales process, and yep. we can easily equate these no's that we get from um, a potential client as I'm not worthy or I'm not enough or I, I don't feel seen or heard, mm. right? And so at the same time, if um, the salesperson is stuck in this inertia state that we were just talking about that those overwhelmed with imposter syndrome or our inner critic is driving the show, then um, then they might, the customer might smell that and not feel like they're being seen or heard because they're not actually curious and asking questions and they're actually making a ton of assumptions or, um, you know, they can smell the scarcity and the fact that this isn't a true um, act of service. It's more, um, you're, the salesperson is more in their own agenda, right? Mm. And so um, we can't actually be in service truly um, when we're in a scarcity mindset because we're actually more in service to our own agenda and the outcome that we want rather than being in service to the customer. Okay, so... I want to um, go at it from one angle here, right? So you mentioned um, in this example here that, you know, customer and uh, prospect and salesperson, right? Both want to be, both have the mindset of like, can you help me, right? For the salesperson, like, can you help me hit my number? Can you help me hit my quota? I would almost challenge, isn't that the wrong way to be, isn't that the wrong mindset to have in that relationship with your prospect that, that contributes to a lot of right. this scarcity mindset? Yes, exactly. So what I'm saying is that um, this is how performativity can become toxic because mm. we are equating our quota to our self-worth rather yep. than um, being in a service mindset and in an abundance mindset mm. um, where we can actually truly be in service to the client and the prospect and just finding opportunities to add value rather than, um, yeah, hitting our numbers. And and there's a lot of, well, I've, I mean, there's a lot more people talking about this 
I think these days than there was when I first got into sales and it was not how I was taught, taught sales. Like I learned a lot of bad habits when I first got into sales. Um, and you know, I learned some good ones, but, um, you know, serving and being curious and really just like staying out of the outcome and just like building relationships with people is, is, is the right way to do things. Um, but this like serving and, and, and not like, it's 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 so counterintuitive to what I think a lot of people in sales are used to. Like, what do you mean I'm just supposed to help and serve and not focus on the outcome? Like, you have a number that I have to hit. Right. How does that get me there? Right. So what would you tell the folks that are thinking that way, which I think a lot of people are probably, you know, thinking like this totally goes against everything that I've ever been taught in sales. Yeah, I'm totally with you. It's been a, a lot of... Um rewiring the conditioning that I was also um, taught in as a um, salesperson myself. And so part of my mission is to really rebrand um, what a sales sales role is. Um, I see sales uh, people as actually three um, roles, if you will. Um, okay. I call salespeople trusted advisors, which is pretty common phrase. And I feel like most people will understand what I mean by that. But the other two um, that I like to focus on is also a frontline innovator and a brand ad- ambassador, excuse me. And so this kind of um, goes along the lines of, um, you know, frontline innovators are in constant service to the customer, right? If we're only um, if we're only looking to achieve this outcome of closing this deal, we're unable to step back and take a wider view of, oh, what innovation might live here? How might I impact the client even more than just closing this one deal, mm-hmm. right? And so if we give our salespeople the agency to create and collaborate um, with you know the design team, the marketing team, what have you, um, if we if we give them back this agency, then they actually are getting all feedback from the customers and have a really beautiful lens to offer um, innovative ideas, right? But if we're zoomed in on this narrow lens of just closing this one deal, then we kind of strip away this innovative capability. And then, Mm. yeah, I could talk about the brand ambassador bit, but I'll pause. (laughs) So I'm just thinking about that because there's so many people that are even just ashamed to even like say they're in sales because of what people are going to think of them or right. they're going to think that they're, you know, manipulative, persuasive, lying, whatever. Right. right. So, um, I think there's a lot of people in sales who are like, I could, I could get on board with that title. <laughs> so I didn't have to say I'm in sales. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hear that so often where it's like, you know, I'm worried I'm going to ruin the relationship. Like I, I don't want to be this cheesy sales, like, um, salesperson because that's yeah. the rep that they've got, we've gotten in the past, but we've, we're evolving. And, um, anybody who kind of has that mindset is not rooted in the value that their product can offer. Right. It's not like, it's all about what the value is that you're and the transformation that you're offering for the client. It's, it's, yeah, life-changing it could be. Mm, okay. So let's go, let's go to the next role. Yeah. The trusted advisor. So this really brings in the cultural dynamics that I was talking about earlier. So um, I talk a lot about how the internal culture of an organization is actually the external brand of the organization. Right. So you can't just, um, you know, 
have all of these um, headlines of like, oh, we're a diverse company. Oh, we all love each other. Like, da da da. No, right. it start. It you can tell the culture of an organization by talking to a frontline worker, like a salesperson, right? And if they're engaged and motivated, you better believe that they have a healthy culture internally. So it's really. Um, you know, and salespeople will talk about, or really anybody will talk about their work and their product if they really um, feel valued for the work that they do. And if they um, are in a culture that is, um, that values growth mindset, that values psychological safety, that values diversity, equity, and inclusion, then they're going to be spreading their, your mission and, and your um, product to everyone and anyone that wants to listen, right? So we have to treat our salespeople not as cogs in a wheel, but as someone else that we can offer a high value exchange to just like we do with our clients. Why can't we offer high value exchanges to our salespeople, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. you can tell somebody the difference between somebody that's passionate about what they're selling and versus somebody that's not. Right, right. And, you know, it, does, it doesn't matter what we're selling. Like, there's always a narrative. There's always a story. There's always um, some impact that we're making, right? And it's it's on the leaders um, to really connect that with um, with the team and figure out what they're truly motivated by. You know, a lot of people are throwing a ton of money at salespeople when they don't actually need to. We're not all motivated solely on money once we hit a certain um certain point or certain threshold. There's studies out there that say in certain areas, once you have $70,000 of income a year, your happiness level doesn't actually increase much exponentially um, after we hit that rate, right? So um, we've got to get more creative in how we motivate and engage our teams. Yeah, so what are some ideas you have? Depend on it. Sorry, what was that? Yeah, so tell me, what are some ideas you have for people that, I mean, you're, you're right, like not everybody can be coached the same it's yeah. important for leaders to know, you know, what's important to each of the people on their team. So if money's not the answer, then then what are some things? What are some ideas that you have of like things to create better culture and to, you know, um, keep keep member keep sales people engaged and, you know, at a company maybe longer, like retaining them? Like what are some ideas that you have? Yeah, sure. Excuse me. So um, there's kind of multiple ways my brain is going right now. I'm partially thinking about like the tact, like the different ways that we can um, measure uh, the performance of our, our salespeople um, that gets into like tactical versus adaptive performance metrics. So we have plenty of tactical performance metrics, which is like how many emails do we make? How many calls do we make? Da, da, da. Mm -hmm. Um, but adaptive performance metrics measure how often we are um, able to adapt to the customer's needs. And so, um, oh boy, I'm, <laughs> my brain's spinning even further. So let me see if I can hone this in. But um, I guess I'll bring it to a story. So um, adaptive performance metrics, again, are how we're um, relating and um, pivoting to our clients' needs. So if we're in a script, for example, in a sales script, we've all been there on a sales phone call or yeah. like recently a political conversation where they're like reading this script and they're not um, they're not really like adapting to you. Um, 
then that actually strips away a lot of um, customer centricity and a lot of uh, potential to close a deal. But we uh, view scripts as a way to mitigate risk, right? So leaders really need to step back um, from leading from fear and uh, overly using tac uh, tactical performance metrics and use more adaptive performance metrics. How many times, for example, how many times were we able to address um, a, a, a question that is, not typical. Like, how many times were you able to, um, yeah, let the like, essentially, I'm kind of trying to think of adaptive performance metrics, um, but I guess I'll just leave it there. And so, an example with the story is um, like United, for example. Um, United, when that uh, airlines, when that horrible flight situation happened, and they needed to. Um, they had an overbooked flight and they needed to uh, remove some people from the flight, but nobody was getting off because everybody wanted to get to where they were going. Mm -hmm. And so what, like long story short, they needed to rip somebody physically off of the plane. And this is because they were overly focused in tactical performance metrics. And because they, um, they, these, the employees were just going by, the um, policies that they were taught. They weren't trusted in the fact that they could use their own judgment and uh, around the situation and maybe offer a few more bucks um, to get people off the plane um, uh, to mediate the situation. And then they spent way more in, um, you know, allegations and um, <laughs> court hearings yeah. and all that. So, um, Oh, am, I, am I making sense over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. So let's break it down. So um, what Sarah's saying, Sales Hustlers, is like, are you, as a leader, number one, are you giving your team the space to be creative in their approach and how they get to the end result? Or are you holding them to like, here's the script, here's the metrics, here's the, how many calls, here's how many meetings, here's how many demos. And like, that's the path to hitting your quota, right? right? Or, and so the extreme example here is like without that creativity or like, you know, strictly sticking to the script or the playbook or the sequence or the process could be equivalent to ripping somebody off of a flight. <laughs> <laughs> which ultimately hurts all of your chances of winning their trust or business right. and having a bad reputation and costing you lots of money. <laughs> right. Right. And it's all rooted in, thank you for that. <laughs> it's all rooted in um, leading from a place of fear, right? Leading from a place of, um, you know, yeah. trying to mitigate risk, but ultimately creating more problems and not giving our salespeople the agency to create and, you know, be themselves and realize that there's actually multiple ways to get across the river and mm. there's multiple styles of sales that are just as effective. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, be ourselves, be our authentic selves when we sell and also be aware of, oh, what blind spots might we have as a relationship-focused salesperson or as a lone wolf salesperson or as a, you know, all the different sales styles in that challenger sales book. Like, mm. I don't want to change who people are. I want to um, allow them to be who they are and also learn about where those blind spots might be for them in, in that role. Yeah, and I think a lot of times this you see this a lot when it's the classic um, top producer promoted to sales leader 
And then, you know, it's like, Hey, here's the way that I got to where I got. And that's the way that everybody else needs to do it. Right. Um, which is common, unfortunately. And then, you know, I think that there is a lot of leaders that are, that are leading from a place of fear is like, Hey, if I give them like too much rope, like how are we going to get to where we need to go? So there's right. gotta be some balance in like, we still need to like hit these goals and grow, you know, as an individual and as a team and as a company. Um, and, but also giving them the freedom to be curious enough or spend a little bit more time in discovery or, you know, mm -hmm. really customize the demo that's going to suit the prospect better rather than just like living and dying by like, this is the process and we have to stick by it. Right. Right. Exactly. Trusting them that trusting our employees really is what it is and valuing them for what they do. Yeah. 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 All right, we are going to wrap it up. This was uh, some great stuff. I, I really enjoyed this conversation, Sarah, and thanks so much for coming on. Be before we let you go, any final thoughts? Where can people find out more about you and what you do and anything else you want to let them know? Yes, absolutely. So um, you can find out more about me and um, my services at Human Centered Sales Enablement. Um, I have programs that pair really nicely with your sales enablement um, efforts already uh, that really focus on that mindset and cultural piece. Um, if you're a sales leader listening, um, my name is Sarah with an H. So my website is Sarah A as an Apple Howard.com. Um, I am offering for entrepreneurs a turn your story into sales complimentary um, coaching call. So uh, helping people to, you know, really uh, own their story, turn that narrative and into a way that we can relate to our customers and our potential clients and close more business. So um, if you're an entrepreneur, especially um, black entrepreneur, I'd love to speak with you, um, you know, it's, this is one of my offerings for Black History Month, but the work doesn't stop in this month. It continues every day of the, the year. So, um, yes, I would love to work with you. Um, and then, yeah, keep your eye out. I'm going to be coming out with a sales mindset assessment soon. Um, I talked a little bit about the first state, that um, inertia state that we were uh, talking about imposter syndrome. So this assessment will help you figure out which energetic state you are in in your sales enablement and which um, blocks the success you might be facing and how you might, um, yeah, move forward and move into um, the peaceful, more uh, authentic sales style. Um, so yeah, keep a lookout, follow me on LinkedIn and I'd love to connect. Awesome. We will include all of those things in the show notes in there for you sales hustlers. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share with your friends. And as always, we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of sales hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.